Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Well, hello there, my friend. It is great to be back with you. As usual, it's right around noon here in Pittsburgh. I'm in my basement with a little bit different setup. I had some mic issues and there were some complaints from you guys. Criticism, I wouldn't call it even criticism. Suggestions that I've been a little too quiet and hard to hear that you really had to crank it up. And let me know, please, if that is still the case. So I have a different mic going here. Uh, Again, I'm looking for some better podcasting software i've actually started fiddling around with GarageBand a little bit here on my uh on my apple and uh, might try to incorporate that but i'm not sure how to get a another party a a a guest on the show by using GarageBand. but if i do use GarageBand, i think i'm going to incorporate a little bit of uh, sound at the beginning you know yeah i'm tuned to get us fired up to fired up a tune to get us fired up But I hope your day has gone well since we spoke last, about 24 hours ago. Things have been great on my end. Uh, A little bit busy here because I'm getting ready soon to drop the kids at my parents and deal with all those type of things and get down to the Steeler game, Steeler Eagles. Uh, Get there, you know, at least an hour before the game. Muddle around a little. uh, Go down the field, see the players. You know, I haven't seen the Eagles live. I'd like to just get an eyeball on them. Watch a game from the press box, eat a lot of really good food. That's one of the huge perks. And then do the Steeler post-game show until 1 a.m. You know, we will go, uh, I guess you can check it out on the Steelers radio network. And what we do is we is Tomlin's pre- Coach Tomlin's press conference is pretty much right after the game. And then as soon as he's done, we get on the air and we go until 1 a.m. and field calls and basically talk Steelers the whole time. There's not going to be a lot of Eagles talk. So if you're an Eagles fan... You're kind of out of luck on that, but I certainly will have my eyeballs on the Eagles. I wish Wentz was playing, but so be it. Such is life. So, anyways, let's start, as we always do, my friend, with the front four. And it's really short on news since we talked last. And that happens, you know. I mean, I'm not going to manufacture news that isn't there. Um, the biggest news to me, which is going to lead me to a, a deeper subject, well, not a deeper subject, but a, you know, a conversation, is Jordy Nelson is now off the PUP. And this has been kind of quiet up until now. That There was a lot of speculation that, hey, maybe Jordan, Jordy isn't coming along so well. You know, he's not a young pup anymore, pretty serious injury. So... I don't think he plays tonight. You know, I'm sure he won't. The Raiders are in Green Bay tonight. Um, But I don't think he will play tonight. But hopefully he plays by week three. uh, At least, you know, the preseason at least gets out there a little bit. So he gets and then rest week four and, and, you know, go into the regular season, hopefully 100%. I'm excited to get more news on this. And let's talk a little bit about what happened to Green Bay last year. And yes, the 
the Nelson injury was massive, and I think it showed up in a big way, and everyone said, boy, can they overcome this? They have all these other weapons. Aaron Rodgers is a superstar. They'll probably still be okay, but how much is it going to hurt? Well, it hurt a ton, but it wasn't the only problem in Green Bay with their offense last year. I mean, it was a a perfect storm of bad things that happened to the, the Packers. And as you know in this league, I mean, things can get out of control pretty quick. And without Nelson in the game, obviously you lose your number one receiver, and that's huge. But he was so good on the perimeter, a deep threat, those those timing routes. I mean, it's a very timing-based passing game. And Rodgers and Nelson were, quote, on the same page with those timing routes on the quick slants and the deep routes and the back shoulder fades. How many back shoulder fades did you see happen last year? About none for the Packers, and they were the masters of it. Not just because of Nelson, and a lot because of Rodgers, a lot because of Nelson. But that wasn't, you know, that was one little thing that they weren't doing well because of the quarterback-receiver relationship. Well, then you think immediately, well, Randall Cobb's a really good player. Why doesn't he step up and be the man? Well, he's also a little bit of a specialty player. He's used to playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He played injured much of last year. His shoulder, I think, was a lot worse than anyone realized. Um, so he was not able to step up his game. And there's more reasons for that that I'm going to get to now. Is They didn't have a perimeter threat. They didn't have somebody that could consistently beat man coverage. And Nelson was certainly that guy, you know, particularly on the edge, on the perimeter, on the outside, so at the wide receiver position. Devontae Adams was up and down. He had a spell there of drops. Apparently that's still plaguing him. Jeff Janis is uh, very, not raw, but he's hard to trust. He's a size-speed guy. Jared Abaderis is the total opposite. You know, he's not a size-speed guy, but he's trustworthy, but he's not all that gifted. Uh, Montgomery got injured, and he wasn't quite ready as a rookie anyways. So still a lot of ability there, but defense has quickly found out that the the Packers receivers were not beating man coverage, that they couldn't separate. And this scheme, uh, McCarthy knows what he's doing, obviously. He's, he's a, uh, an established head coach. But this scheme is based a lot on you need to win one-on-one matchups. And you would think all schemes are, and to some degree they are. But he doesn't do, like, for example, New Orleans does a very good job of scheming players open, using route combinations and motion and, you know, blitz beaters and cover two beaters and all these things where it's not this simple like when you go out on the playground, but the the Packers are more like, go out there and win. You know, beat your guy, Rodgers will throw you a dart and we'll win. Well, they didn't have anybody beating their guy. Um so that was obviously a problem. Eddie Lacy was overweight. I think he's a slightly a, a slightly overrated player to begin with. I like him. I don't love him. Um, and that little bit of extra, or a lot of extra poundage, a few pizzas, a couple too many beers or whatever, uh, made him quite sluggish. But I also think without that perimeter threat, defenses trusted their corners on, quote, islands a lot more. They put a lot more bodies in the middle of the field to defend the inside run. You know, Eddie Lacy's not going to, especially with 15 pounds overweight, isn't going to beat you to the edge and take it to the house down the sidelines on you last year. And that also crowded up Randall Cobb a lot, too. I mean, there's a lot of linebackers and slot corners and bigger bodies bouncing him around with a bad shoulder. Um, So, again, it was a combination of all of the above. 
lastly, I think they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. You know, look at J- I've, I've mentioned it before. Look at J.C. Treader. Uh, he, he's a backup playing for them right now. He's been great. He's a, a, a one of the best backup de- offensive linemen in the league. They uncharacteristically traded up for Spriggs. He's going to be their project left tackle. So they're loaded for now and the future, although they have three starters that are going to hit free agency. But last year, they weren't. You know, they had a lot of injuries on the offensive line there. I think it's like a six-week stretch. And, you know, again, that, that this compounded this perfect storm of problems with the Packers' offense. And lastly, you know, my favorite quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers, who I think is the best quarterback in the league, you know, had all these things going against him, which I'm not sure that <laughs> Montana or Elway or Marino or Unitas or anybody would have overcame these, uh, but he didn't play his best either. You know, uh, he he pushed, he, he forced things he couldn't, he shouldn't have done, held the ball too long. I don't worry one bit about AR though. I mean, I, I think he was just doing what he, the best he could do with those around him. I mean, it's tough to, not have a running game, not have an offensive line, have a lot of bodies in the middle of the field, people coming after you left and right, and your, your guys on the outside aren't winning matchups, and your coach isn't really scheming things up to help you out. So, uh, other than that, he had a pretty easy run. A non-football-related topic in the front four, because things are quiet, and they're not going to be quiet tomorrow. we got a lot to talk about probably tomorrow. This is something that's been kind of a joke, but <laughs> I get a kick out of it. And I'm actually pretty steadfast on this. You know, there's been a lot of talk on the airwaves and all over Twitter yesterday on my my timeline, and it was funny. Aquaman's the greatest superhero. And all you out there are going to be like, Aquaman blows, he stinks. What are you talking about, Williamson? Check my timeline. My My compelling argument is very, very strong, and here's why. The Earth's surface is 71% water. Aquaman has all that. That's all his. Superman and Batman and Spider-Man and and the Hulk and all those dudes are fighting for the other 29%. So Aquaman only plays home games. He only hangs out in his place. And he can summon every creature of the sea. You know how many creatures that is? So you're out there acting tough. There's a dude on Twitter who's like, I'd go beat Aquaman's butt. He can't do anything. I was like, he'll just get three groupers out of the million groupers in the sea to just crush you. I mean, he saves the sharks and the killer whales and the octopus for Superman. You know, and he, he can send 200 crabs in your general direction and they'll just eat you from head to toe. You know I mean, just think of the possibilities. So, not to mention the Earth 71% water on the surface, but all the depths. He goes down to the Marianas Trench and hangs out there with all his buds. And you know how long it takes for you to get to him? He's got the best gig of all the superheroes. So, for you non-football people that don't know me in my superhero conversation, sorry, but once in a while I'm going to throw one of those in there. Today's a slow day in the NFL news. So, that was an Aquaman take. I'm struggling a little bit, guys, for the front four. And that was part two of it. So, again, that's a bit of a struggle. This is part three of it, and I'm just going to give you the slate of games tonight. I mentioned Eagles at Steelers. That's going to be the feature game on NFL Network. Uh, Vikings at Seahawks is the game after that that they're going to show. Um, And the other early games are Bengals at Lions, Falcons at Browns, Bears at Patriots, Raiders at Packers. 
for our purposes, I'm going to apologize in advance because we are going to have a podcast tomorrow and I'll probably tape it around one as opposed to noon, but I'll probably only have two games watched by then. Like I said, I'm going to be on the air until one in the morning. I will have watched Eagle Steelers and I promise not to make this a Steelers centric podcast all the time, but I am more associated than with any and I have a, you know, I'm employed by the Steelers radio network. So uh, I'm not going to shortchange the Steeler fans out there. And I, I will talk Eagles. I'm going to do my best to watch a game either 1.30 in the morning tonight or when I get up before we talk tomorrow so that I can have a take on four teams for tomorrow's games. So that's that. You know, again, that doesn't line up perfectly. But Monday, I'm going to be flooding you guys with information, and we'll do that again on Tuesday. Like I said, I mean, Monday, Tuesdays are going to be game recaps, not just Mondays. So that works out well, but you're going to have to wait a little bit. Unfortunately, I'm not going to have a lot for you tomorrow. But let me know. Drop me some a line here on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. And let me know if there's a specific game or a specific player from things going on tonight that you want me to focus on. Um, but really the better way of doing that is go check out the Locked On Lions, Locked On Steelers, Locked On Eagles, Locked On Raiders. You know, the, the, all these other podcasts we have available now that are spe- team-specific we'll be able to give you a much, much more thorough breakdown than I can in this instance. Uh, I will hit you up on Monday and make it up to you. But in the meantime, check out you know the team that you want to know the most about or your favorite team or whomever that is on the Locked On Network. So the final bullet point here in the front four and again, guys, I'm, I apologize. I'm straining a little bit, but I do have a deep dig I think you guys are going to enjoy is I watched Hard Knocks last night, second episode, Rams in L.A., just moving to their new home, first overall pick, Jared Goff. Is it just me, or is this show now a snoozer? You know, like, I thought it was such a great idea, the first three, four, five series seasons, and I've watched every episode they've ever put out. And my son, my 10-year-old, he certainly likes it. They drop a lot of F-bombs, you know, it's behind, it's quote, behind the scenes, you know, it's guys, t- but they all know they're on camera. I mean, they don't, they're not divulging many team secrets or anything. Uh, I don't know. It's because I've been around a team and I've sat in some of those meeting rooms and things, but this show is starting to bore me, you know, and that's surprising. I'm not even sure that they're doing anything wrong. It's just after a while, you become sort of numb to the same thing year after year. And the Rams, even despite their move and despite drafting Jared Goff and, Having Aaron Donald and watching him play ping pong and, you know, Todd Gurley, I, I want to see him in action more. They're still sort of a boring team. Jeff Fisher's not the most electric coach out there. And, you know, so I don't know. A- any more takes on that? But that leads me to an Amazon video show that was similar that they did, that they released over the summer. And actually, if a friend of mine, uh, Keith Cosrow, is the executive producer of the show. He went to Mount Lebanon High School with me. He's a year younger. Does tremendous work for NFL Films. All or nothing. You know, they followed the Arizona Cardinals for the entire 2015 season. 
if you're an Amazon member, I would suggest checking that one out. I mean, if you're if you're kind of like me and like, boy, Hard Knocks is fine, but I could use a little more. All or Nothing was very, very well done. And I'm not just saying that because my buddy did it. I'd tell you that no matter what. So that's sort of a watered-down week front four. Uh, I apologize, but that's what we got for today. There will be a lot more coming Fast and Furious in the meantime. Some other news that I'm going to tie into a deep dig, though, is DeAndre Washington. And he isn't a household name to a lot of you. Um, running back for the Raiders. Fifth-round pick. is The news is he's clearly number two in Oakland right now behind Latavius Murray, who also is a fifth rounder, you know, which makes you think, you know, the, you know, how much do the Raiders value the running back position? You know, they had tons of draft picks, tons of money to spend, and their top two guys are fifth round picks that are making, you know, league minimum more or less. So I also think that, and I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, next year's running back class is historically good. And I've done a fair amount of homework on it. Leonard Fournette's one of the big names. Nick Chubb, uh, McCaffrey. There's tons of them, though. It's deep, and it's very, very heavy. Now, there's going to be several first-round picks in there. And, and I look at the Raiders and think, who, you know, the, the rest of their holes are pretty well filled. And even if they believe in, we're just going to plug anybody at the running back position and pay our offensive line tons of money and, you know, surround Carr with weapons, what if they add Leonard Fournette next year, <laughs> or Nick Chubb, or you know one of these superstar girly Elliott type of running back prospects to that offense? But anyways, back to John J. Washington. I bring this up and it's noteworthy to me mostly because I'm not a Latavius Murray fan. I don't like his style of running. Um, I'm generally a little prejudiced against taller backs, and that was one of my issues with Derrick Henry, although I thought he was very, very impressive. I mentioned that a show or two ago. Go check that out. Uh, I think Murray's kind of a gets-what's-blocked type of back. Um, when he gets in the open field, though, he can open it up, and he's very fast, and it's impressive to see a 6'2", 6'3", 240-pound running back in the open field just running away from people. But that's really not what the NFL is all about. You know, I mean, making yardage on your own, lateral quickness, getting low, pushing the pile. Uh, I mean, apparently he's done better, but uh, I don't think he's a top dog. And for that reason, and I'm not predicting this, but it wouldn't blow me away if DeAndre Washington, passing and rushing, ends up with the most yards from scrimmage of any Raiders running back. I really like this kid. I mean, he is a thicker, bowling ball, shorter Maurice Jones drew, but not quite that short. You know, that type of body style, you know, maybe even like a Frank Gore body type, you know, where he bounces off people, runs low. He he caught a ton of passes in college and is very adept as a receiver where Murray isn't. You know, at a minimum, I think Washington's your third down back in Oakland, but the more and more he gets on the field, I think he's going to get harder and harder to pull off the field. He's good in protection. Very sturdy, powerful build. He's a good interior runner. He can get to the perimeter. He's not a burner. He's not a 4-3 guy. Um, but, you know, he's not slow. He's certainly very quick and laterally quick, which might be even more important. So keep an eye on that running back situation. Maybe your fantasy team wants to take a, a flyer on De you know, DeAndre Washington. But I bet by the time your, uh, your fantasy drafts are rolling around, he's not going to be as cheap as you think. I mentioned that there was an amazing class coming in a year from now. Rookies to be. 
And I very much think that's true. We'll, t- we'll do some draft talk on here too, by the way, but not now. I and mean, there's so much else going on. I'm not breaking down the 2017 rookie draft class quite yet. But I do want to talk a little bit about, and part of this deep dig, is what do I expect from the rookie class this year at the running back position? And I think it's a good group, and I just want to briefly go over the top 10. Ezekiel Elliott was a fourth pick overall. That's not the pick I would have made. I, I, you know, with a gun to their head, I bet that Dallas would have taken one of the two quarterbacks or Bosa. I mean, I think to them, Elliott was the fourth guy on their board, and I don't have any inside information on that. I just think when you look at team needs and values, that's, you know, the truth. I mean, I, I do believe that's that's a fact. Of course, we'll never find that out. I would have taken Jalen Ramsey at four, but that's not the conversation. I think he's a very, very good player. It would shock me if he is not rookie of the year. It wouldn't shock me if he leads the league in rushing. I mean, I really think that that's a possibility as a rookie. Um, in terms of all-purpose yards from running backs, because of Le'Veon Bell's suspension, I think Elliott is my choice, you know, of combination rushing-receiving from the running back position in 2016. Who's going to have the most yards from scrimmage? I think I'm going to take Ezekiel Elliott. You know, David Johnson would certainly be in that conversation. Uh, I think Gurley's a superstar, but, boy, he's going to have an uphill climb. So, you know, I'm not really backing up my my theory that I wouldn't draft Elliott here because I think he's great. I think he's a great fit, and I just think I would have went defense or a more premium position. The next running back drafted, I'm going to skip over Derrick Henry. He was the 14th pick in the second round by the Titans. Just because I talked about him two episodes ago, go back, check him out. He has far surpassed my expectations, but although it's only one game. Kenyon Drake is a 73rd pick overall, third-round guy from the Dolphins. I didn't like this pick when it happened. I think he's speed-reliant, poor in protection, not as much of a receiving back as you would think from a, you know, fast, not work or not workhorse type running back. Um, I, I think there's going to be weeks he's even inactive. That wouldn't shock me at all. Not that he's terrible. It's just it's going to take time for him to be an active member of this offense, especially if Arian Foster remains healthy. Damian Williams is a, a good player as well that nobody seems to talk about. Um, CJ Procise. I also think I mentioned him the other day too because we were talking about Rawls and the situation there. Uh, Michael's been very impressive. I think Procise will be the receiving back from day one. I think they want to play a lot of receiver threat, you know, a lot of three receiver sets, uh, which could lend uh, Wilson in the shotgun with the receiving back as a sidecar type of deal. I think Procise will play plenty. I think he's perfect for that role. Tyler Irvin was a 21st pick in the fourth round. Pure gimmick guy. You know, I think you love him. Ideally, he turns into Darren Sproles, which is massive praise because Sproles can do a lot more. He's not just a gimmick player. But Irvin, I think, is your returner. Clearly, the the Texans stressed adding speed to their offense. Uh, he very much does that. Uh, maybe he spells Miller for five, three carries a game, something like that. Catches three passes, hand it to him on a reverse, split him out wide. But he's an electric player. 
really like Kenneth Dixon. All this Terrence West news, though, makes me wonder, you know, what's the pecking order there? I, I think Forsett's best days are well behind him. I think Dixon's a hard-charging runner, highly productive with a bad supporting cast in college, very good in the receiving game. Um, earlier, pretty much when they picked him, I predicted that he would lead the Ravens in rushing this year. I, I think he's that good. I think he's that good of a pick for them. Um, but, you know, this West thing, maybe West is better. I, I don't know. And that's something I want to look at in the preseason is it's a good situation for the Ravens to have. They got a lot of running backs all of a sudden. It makes you wonder, you know, maybe would they chop one of these guys or, you know, how many running backs are they going to use? Could they get a draft pick for... Allen or Forsett. I don't know if you'd move Forsett, considering how young everyone else is. Speaking of young, Devontae Booker isn't young. He came into the league a little overaged as a prospect, but I think he's the ideal backup immediately, right now. Perfect scheme fit in Denver for C.J. Anderson. There's been a lot of comparisons to Arian Foster, another zone-type runner. I see that. Um, he came in the league a little bit banged up. I think he'd be a higher pick if it wasn't for those two red flags, age and injury coming into the league. Productive player, uh, really good fit there as a, a late fourth-round pick. Washington was the next one taken, early fifth-rounder. I'm not going to talk about him anymore. Paul Perkins was the 10th pick in the fifth round by the Giants. Interesting because... For some reason, Andre Williams looks good. I, again, I'm not a buyer there. Um, Vereen's a very good receiving back. Rashad Jennings remains a injury-prone but very solid, although you know below-average starting back for them. And I think Perkins kind of waits in the wings early on and could take over the Vereen role if he were to go down. Could take over the lead back role. He's never going to be a power player, but he is very elusive, uh, very shifty. Go look at his highlights. I mean, he has some fun highlight runs of making people miss in tight quarters and space. So I like this pick a lot for the Giants. I, I just don't know where he's in right this minute, but hey, I mean, it's what, it's August 17th or something, August 18th. Um, so. <laughs> he'll be okay. He'll have some value for this team. Jordan Howard could lead the Bears in rushing this year. I know that sounds crazy, but I am not a Langford fan. I'm not a big fan of Kerry. I look at Howard and think, boy, is this a John Fox, Stephen Davis type move the chains, you know, masher running back. Fox doesn't play rookies very much, and their offensive line is poor, but I think Howard will be a Bears fan favorite without question. Uh, I was only going to do those top 10, but let's mention Wendell Smallwood. He was the next pick. He has a pretty clear path to pay playing time with only Sproles, who's going to be a part-time player, and Matthews ahead of him. Uh, I don't know that he could ever be a workhorse if Matthews were to miss time. He's another smaller, shifty guy. Uh, curious to watch him, you know, uh, again, I hope I see him tonight. I'm not sure if he's playing or not, but I do hope to watch him a lot tonight. Maybe I'll report back on that tomorrow. And Jonathan Williams from the Bills is one of my absolute favorite backs in this draft. Uh, I think he's a do-it-all, highly talented back that should be a second-round pick in the NFL draft and fell for uh, injury reasons. Carlos Williams is suspended, and McCoy's ahead of him on the depth chart in Buffalo. But... It wouldn't shock me if he was the Bills' leading rusher in 2017. I mean, as soon as that, or if McCoy were to go down, that he has a, you know, he averages 
80, 90 yards a game as a feature player. Uh, he's a little blocked right now, but I think he's got a chance to be very, very good in this league. That's going to do it. Um, busy here. I got some things I got to take care of and excited to go watch some live football tonight. And you and I will chat tomorrow. Be well.